0: Hey, it's Lynn Galadner, and this is the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm founder of the Your People Marketing and PR Agency, and I lead the Make Meaning Movement, a platform that helps purpose-driven visionaries and leaders do business with meaning. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how people dare to take chances to live the life they want with meaningful work and purposeful days. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org to learn more. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Make Meaning podcast. I'm Lynn Laudner, and today I'm interviewing Keisha Greaves. For some people, inspiration comes easily. For others, it takes a massive life change to see their unique purpose. Keisha Greaves was already doing remarkable things before she was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. She had big dreams, she was making great strides, and then her diagnosis inspired her to go even bigger. Today, Keisha is the founder of Girls Chronically Rock a t-shirt line through which she aims to inspire and motivate others in the disability community. Keisha recalls her diagnosis and the quest it led her on by saying, what does my future hold? What is going to happen to me? I knew it was time to put my dreams to use and create something where I can express my feelings and my journey through my clothing line. Keisha Greaves, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Hi, well, thank you so
1: much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm so honored to speak with you. Your story is so inspiring, and I was doing my research and learning about all the different things you've done, the different media you've been in, and I'm like, wow, you are a rock star. I'm yeah. so impressed. Oh, thank you. I appreciate
1: that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's start. I want to hear a little bit about your journey, and I know that you were born and raised in Cambridge, Massachusetts, so I wonder if you could take me through your early years. I'd love to hear like what inspired you and what you thought you wanted to do when you grew up. Sure. So yes, I was born and raised in Cambridge, Massachusetts.
1: And yes, I'm still here. <laughs> I love it here. So um, yeah, so pretty much growing up, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, kind of like on my own boss, you know, in flexible hours. And I knew I wanted to go to school for fashion because I lived in brief fashion. Growing up, I looked up to fashion designers such as Kimora Lee Simmons from Baby Fat. Mm-hmm. And then also Betsy Johnson. I love Betsy Johnson. So okay. I love her like colorfulness, her tutus and how she does like cartwheels at the end of every fashion show she does. She's just, like, hilarious, and I would love to do a collection with her. And I'm like, I can't believe she's, like, probably, like, 72, 73. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah, we can um, bring that energy out there to Betsy Johnson. Like, yeah, we definitely need to collaborate. But, yeah, I, I knew I always wanted to be a fashion designer. So, you know, I, um, you know, went to high school and everything, did fashion classes there. And then after that, I went to Framingham State University, where I got my bachelor's degree in fashion design and merchandising. So as I mentioned, you know, I just, you know, wanted to go to school and, you know, I knew sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to go to New York. That's where the fashion is. But I always was also very chicken because I knew I was not going to leave my mom here. I'm like one of those. Yes, I'm a mommy's girl. Because I'm like, wait, what do I, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, (laughs) my mom's doing my laundry and everything. I'm like, I wouldn't even know how to do that. Because even (laughs) when I went to Framingham, I still came home like every weekend because Framingham is like just about like maybe an hour away, Uh depending on traffic. So but yeah, I always knew, you know, I wanted to be a fashion. I feel like I learned so much from going to Framingham State University. And then after that, you know, about a year after I graduated in 07, I took about a year off, you know, of working in the retail field, working in Eldos, local boutique to kind of get, you know, like that field of, you know, because again, I'm thinking, you know, I want to own my own business. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know, I want to go back to maybe graduate school you know, to get my master's in business, to kind of get the business side of things. Like, yes, I guess I might have learned some of that in Framingham, but I was like, maybe this time, you know, at graduate school, this will solely focus on the business. Mm-hmm. So when I was actually in graduate school, that's when I started to get really weird symptoms in my mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. I would just be walking and my leg would kind of like just give out on me, like kind of like a, you know, like honestly, I don't know where I would just be walking and then boom, I would fall to the floor. Mm-hmm. And when I would fall to the floor, it was kind of like, I couldn't get myself back up, kind of like a dead weight, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, all right, I can't just like get up. It was kind of like once I fell, that was it. And then I needed like at least one or two people to assist me up. Mm. Well, that kept on happening very, you know, recurring very often. And at the first, you know, I was just brushing it off. I'm like, you know, maybe no big deal. Maybe I just need to, you know, get healthy, lose some weight, whatever. And then my mom and sister were like, you know, I think maybe we need to go see uh, orthopedic because we're thinking maybe it's something in the feet. Sure. So we go to a Tufts Medical Hospital and we go to see the orthopedic. Mm-hmm. So I always remember I walked in um, that day on the appointment, regular, you know, sitting, laying on the examination room. Mm-hmm. Two doctors come in. They asked me to raise, you know, my right leg, raise the left leg. And the legs kind of just would not go up as like, say like a, a good extension like how we able like how it should be pretty much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they just both kind of looked at each other like um I think you need to see a neurologist mm. so I'm like all right still not thinking anything of it blah, da so then I go see a neurologist and we kind of go like straight to it to so just like you know let's get the testing done we did MRI EKG yeah like blood work we did a muscle biopsy which was the most interesting because the muscle biopsy, they took from out of my right leg to test it. Wow. So, yeah, that was interesting, and I was not put to sleep for that. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, <laughs> so from that muscle biopsy, that's when they determine I have muscular dystrophy. Mm. Wow. Crazy,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, what was that like to get that news? And then, like, how did you process that? I, and frankly, I'll be totally transparent. I don't know that much about muscular dystrophy, and I'm sure you didn't at the time. You yeah, know. Just, nope how would we know? And so like, how did that feel? And how did you process that diagnosis?
1: Um. Yeah, sure. It was totally a lot. You know, I'm like, the day I got the phone call, she's like, we got your, you know, results back and you have muscular dystrophy. And I'm like, I'm like, A, first I'm thinking, maybe she, you know, maybe called the wrong patient. Like, that's honestly what I was thinking. I'm like, well, maybe she might have, you know, got the test results or something mixed up. I'm thinking, she's going to just call me and say, I have muscular dystrophy. Because I'm like, Number one, what is muscular dystrophy? Mm -hmm. Same with you. I had no, and I'm still, honestly, I feel like I'm still learning each Mm -hmm. and every day to this day. So first thing I do is like some of us, we go to Google. Mm -hmm. So I start Googling muscular dystrophy and all these things It's saying, you know, it affects people from childhood birth and Mm -hmm. it mostly affects young boys. You know, like some people may not live past like their late forties and there's no treatment. There's no Mm -hmm. cure. So imagine I'm reading all of that. I am now like in my early twenties hmm So, you know, out there, you know, living my best life as I should. And then, you know, I'm just like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like muscular dystrophy, because and nobody in my family seems to have it. Nobody. Mom, dad, aunts, cutting, nobody. So I'm just like, they have to get this wrong, right? Like it only would make sense. Mm-hmm. So of course I was in total shock. So I kind of felt like I shut down where, you know, I wasn't telling really many family and friends, the only way family knew was, you know, my mom telling them like her sisters and, you know, they communicated that with my cousins. But I honestly, I totally shut down. I was in denial. That's a huge shock. You have muscular dystrophy. And every time I went to the doctors for like a follow-up, I was thinking as I walked in, she was going to say like, oh, Keisha, we got back the wrong test results. I got yours mixed up with somebody else. You don't have muscular dystrophy. So, so that's like where my mindset
0: was. It's interesting. The whole Google thing is like a rabbit hole. I mean, and if yes. I have like a sniffle and I start to Google and my husband's like, what are you doing? I mean, I, you know, I'm like, do you think I have a brain tumor? He's like, no, yes. I really don't. You know, and it's just every time that's where I go. And unfortunately, you can find a story that's going to tell you you do. It's like, it's horrible, yes. you know? Yes. Um, but you know, I mean, so it's just really scary. And so you were processing all this information and you know you're so young with your whole life ahead of you and you're reading things that are telling you like it shouldn't happen to you you know and 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 you didn't know what the prognosis would be and so I mean I'm sure there was like a whole process of dealing with that information learning more you know what has happened since then and how how has that informed the changes you've made in your life and and of course inspiring you to start your own t-shirt line sure
1: so you know at that time I was in total denial like I feel like I just sometimes came out of denial, like, honestly, the other day, you mm. know, it was still, it took some time getting used to. And, you know, all I'm keep reading is, you know, it, it's going to progress. It's going to worsen. And, you know, I just tried my best to just keep focused and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll exercise. So at that time I did actually join Weight Watchers and I lost some weight, wow. which was awesome. So I felt like, you know, that made a difference on the body, but I knew that it was still there. Sure. So, you know, I'm like, this is not going anywhere <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so, you know, I just like try to focus. And it was one day that my friend was like, Keisha, why don't you write a blog about your short story and share about what's going on? And I thought, well, why would I do that? You know, like I don't have muscular dystrophy. So, you know, <laughs> that's how much, you know, my mindset was. It's like I was in total in denial. I mean, even going on job interviews, when I started walking with a cane, I would tell them I sprayed my ankle or I was in a car accident, mm. you know, instead of saying muscular dystrophy, because for me saying that out loud, it just seemed too real. Yeah. Yeah. So that day, when my friend was like, "Write a blog," I was like, "You eh, know." And then I just like happened to like, you know, I thought about it a little bit. Then I opened the laptop, and then I just started writing and talking about all the symptoms and everything that I'm going through and my feelings. Mm-hmm. And it took honestly that moment. That moment, as I'm typing it and saying it out loud, mm-hmm. I'm like, "Wow, I have muscular dystrophy." Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy. It took that moment. It's like never mind what the doctors were saying. Yeah. It was like, it took, you know, for me to like, you know, sometimes you just have that moment. And you're like, whoa, I have muscular dystrophy. Look at that. Yeah. And so I just like posted it on Facebook and just took a chance. And I got such great positive feedback. I mean, and these were friends I would talk to on a regular basis, but they didn't even know. Because yeah. looking at me at the time, you know, I wasn't really walking with mobility aids, no wheelchair then. So you know, they were like, oh, my God, I had no idea you was going through that. And, you know, they was totally, totally supportive, both friends and family and, you know, even outsiders that, you know, was my friends on Facebook. And, you know, that totally made me feel good. It kind of opened the door a little bit, not 100 percent. But, you know, I'm just like, all right, this is what I have. And then um, I also thought, well, you know, it's time to put my dreams to use. Mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and fashion design. So I'm like, why not maybe create something where I can inspire and empower others in the disability community. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I wanted to create a t-shirt line because I'm a huge t-shirt fanatic. I love wearing different t-shirts with like, you know, inspirational quotes and different colorings, like graffiti art. I love it. Uh-huh. So I thought, you know, why not create something and then I can kind of do different logos where I can express my feelings and what I'm going through during, during this time, this journey of living with muscular dystrophy through my line. Yeah. And so how I came up with the name is that I knew I wanted something with the word chronic in it for chronic mm-hmm. illnesses, sure. but I didn't know exactly how I wanted to incorporate that. Mm-hmm. So I honestly was lying in bed one night and then it just like came to me. It was like Girls Chronically Rock. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I like that. And I'm like, I love the way it sounded. I love the way it flowed. And by the way, that's where most of my creative like ideas or sayings come. I noticed when I'm at sleeping at night. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um. So yeah, it was just like, and then I just kind of ran with it. And then I just started selling off on Etsy at first. And then um, from there, I was like, you know, it's time to build, you know, a website and, you know, look more professional, more clean, like my own domain and Girls Chronically Rock. And so that's when I reached out to my friend and he created my my logo and my own website for me because I even had a different logo Mm -hmm. when I first started on Etsy. But this logo is way better now. Like this logo, I feel like so much more proud. I'm like, I love it because I work with like a total different graphic designer so I just honestly love the way you know like I'm going if you had asked me a few years ago like oh do you see yourself starting a brand sharing your story about muscular dystrophy or talking on podcast I'll be like no way Mm -hmm. you know because I'll be like what how would I could I talk about something I don't have (laughs) so that's how you know much of a, a mindset I was so sometimes when I look back I'm like wow but I tell people I'm like you know I still have my days This muscular dystrophy is here and it's here to stay until further notice. You know, there's still no treatment, no cure. And it's like, you know, all I can do is take it day by day and just hope for the best. But, you know, focusing on my business, uh, Girls Kind Rock, definitely keeps me inspired Mm -hmm. and motivated. And I just plan to do so much more with it. You know, I want to create an adaptive and accessible clothing line for people with disabilities. So, you know, because people don't understand it takes us. Quite some time to get dressed on a regular basis. And that's even with caregiver help, you know, yeah. just putting on a t shirt, putting on pants. So, having that accessible and adaptive, where it's like the sleeves may have some magnetic snaps or like Velcro on the sleeves, like it would just, it's, it totally makes a difference. Designers now like Tommy Hill figure, Zappos now has um, adaptive for people with disabilities. And I'm so excited to see that. So, I hope to create. In adaptive
0: clothing line under the girl's chronically walk umbrella. Yeah, it's so important to build that awareness because, you know, I wouldn't have thought about that, but those magnetically clasping, you know, buttons or or sleeves or whatever, like that's brilliant. And of course that should be out there. And we all should know about that too, that this is a very real issue. And so you know, anything we can do to support efforts so that everybody has access and they can still be fashionable. You know, it's super important. I mean, I can't wait to see what comes out of your brain into the world and the fashion no, industry, you, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that.
0: It's interesting. Something you said earlier really struck me. And you said something about like, okay, it's time to start living my best life. And it's not that you weren't before, but, but hearing that diagnosis and knowing that you don't know the outcome. And the truth is, none of us really know the outcome. Like, I don't know how long I'm going to live. Nobody does. We sort of take for granted that we've got a long time. And I feel like what you were saying was like, well, you don't know because now you have this very real diagnosis and you read some things that, that indicated that maybe you don't and God willing you do, you know, but, um, but that is like such an important message for everybody, you know, regardless of ability or diagnosis that, you know, what are we waiting for to live our best life? You know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, exactly.
0: yeah, it's so inspiring. So I know you speak a lot. You speak widely to educate people and inspire. Um, And I know it feels to me like you're on a mission to let people know they're not alone and to show the possibilities. And so I just wonder what message is most important for you to put out into the world?
1: Um, Sure. I would say now that I feel like I'm a part of this disability community, because as I tell people sometimes, it's like, you know, I feel like I've lived kind of two lives. You know, it's like, here I was as a disabled-bodied person. And yes, sometimes I do think, like, I grieve the person I once once was, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So now I'm, like, in this total whole disability community, whereas, you know, things like you said, like, kind of took for granted. Where, for instance, going, like, to this place and getting, uh, parking in the handicapped spot... Whereas sometimes now I notice that is sometimes taken by by somebody who does not Mm -hmm. even have a handicap sign and just going to the door and not having like the handicap button. It's Mm -hmm. like so many things has opened my eyes where I was not thinking about that before. Mm -hmm. And then now for me, living with that, it's like now I have brought awareness to it about like with family and friends, because now they're out with me. They understand going out. I have to make sure a restaurant or a place is accessible. No Mm -hmm. stairs. Does it have an elevator? So I'm so glad now they know that where you know when we go out you know they take the initiative to make sure it's accessible Mm -hmm. of course not now because during this pandemic I have not gone anywhere I'm totally (laughs) scared yes but um, yeah yeah, I would say like with my message I kind of just want to bring that awareness about the disability community like yes we're here we want to be heard so many different disability stigmas like oh you know they we may not get married we don't date we don't have kids like yes we do there's so many people out there I mean and wheelchairs who had it from birth and they're married, they have kids. So it's like, yes, we still have lives. We still like to go out and have fun parties. So it's like, I try to, you know, let people know like, yes, we're still like human. We're still like, you know, regular people. We for just sure. may need special accommodations, but we're here and we want to be heard. And I also want people to know that when this whole pandemic, you know, when it does become better, it's like, don't forget people like us in the disability community, because for some of us, some of us, this is kind of our norm where some of us have to wear masks, even before this pandemic, going to doctor's appointments for our low immune system and, you know, and things like that. And I'm someone who is considered at high risk for the COVID-19, because for my muscular dystrophy, it also does affect, you know, my heart and low respiratory issues. Mm -hmm. So I totally been staying inside, but I'm just trying to bring as much awareness just about, you know, as general. It's like, yes, we have fashion, like, yes, here I am balancing, you know, living with muscular dystrophy. I still have my days and Not knowing what the body wants to do, if I can get out of bed or the back is aching and, you know, but I'm here and I'm still just trying to strive and, you know, build my business. And I appreciate all the messages I get like on Facebook and Instagram, like, oh, I love what you're doing with your brand. And, you know, and I appreciate that because I'm like, wow, people are listening and they get it. They get my message and the movement I'm trying to start. And, you know, and I really appreciate that because that keeps me going. So I'm just trying to bring overall awareness to the disability community.
0: And I like to express that through my line. It's really interesting because, you know, what you're saying is that before your diagnosis, you didn't notice all the things that were necessary for somebody to have access. You're so aware because it affects you. And it just opens up a whole web of like all the things that we don't notice because it's not our story. And that's so dangerous because we're talking about equity and access in so many different ways today, you know, whether it's ability or it's race or it's ethnicity or religion. And unless it's your story, it's like people are not sensitized to it. And they're almost, there's almost like an era of, like an attitude of not caring in a way. And so I just wonder how we could, how we could be more sensitive to that and more aware of all of the elements that that you know affect people around us, because we're all living this human condition. I mean, it doesn't matter what yeah. the details are, but I just feel like there's got to be an answer. There's got to be a way that people who, who don't see it now could see it at some point. you know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree.
0: It's just crazy. We are living in crazy times. <laughs> it is. I'm just like, so, you know, on this show, we talk about how people find meaning in their work and purpose in their lives. It's sort of been a passion of mine, a curiosity throughout my career as a writer and in marketing and PR. And so I wonder, you know, those words, meaning and purpose are kind of loaded. I wonder how you would describe your meaning and purpose.
1: Um, I believe that, well, after, after I was diagnosed, you know, of course, as I mentioned, when I was in total denial, not knowing what the future hold, what was going to happen, You know, that is when I wrote my blog and then I kind of like kind of processed everything. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, you know, I'm a true believer in things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. I've always said that even before the diagnosis. And so I'm just like, you know, maybe, you know, as they kind of say, the saying like, God doesn't put things on you that you can't handle. Right. And at first I never was like, oh, what does that mean? But now it's like, you know, kind of like, you know, when you get older, more wiser, you're like, Ah, now I get it. So it's like, you know, <laughs> now I feel like I was here to, you know, to start the business and to share my story about living with muscular dystrophy. You and know, I look back about like going on job interviews, even then, and like, you know, not getting the job and thinking, you know, I nailed it. And it's like, you know, even the previous employer I worked for two years ago, where I felt discriminated towards my disability, you know, working in the retail field. Mm-hmm. so it's like all of that, you know, you kind of just take a moment and process and you're like, you know, all of that probably happened for a reason, me going on the job interviews not getting that because it's like there was another plan for me mm-hmm. and you know and here it is so it's like I feel like you know I was here to share my story bring creative you know work on t-shirts inspire and empower others and like I say it's like I feel like I'm turning my pain into empowerment Does mm-hmm. that makes sense because it's like I said if you had asked me this a few years ago I'll be like no way so mm-hmm. you know this is why like I plan to do so much more things with Girls Chronically Rock like work on subscription like wellness boxes and you know things like that. So I'm like, you know, this is my purpose of, you know, just trying to think of new creative ways. And as I mentioned, the adaptive clothing line. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess I'm here to have a voice and to be heard and to bring the awareness to the disability community and to build my girl's chronically
0: rock empire. So I want to ask you since you're a um, fashion expert here and you know I'm I'm I work from home always and I am a very casual person so like I haven't owned a suit in a very long time. I, but I I love following fashion and I'm curious about a lot of it and so I don't know if you saw there was a New York Times article a while back about how like sweatpants are the thing this year and making sweats more fashionable. And um, it was, it was fascinating. And I mean, I love my sweatpants, but I don't know that I'm going to go out in them. But, um, <laughs> but I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about, you know, how fashion, you know, impacts us, how, how we understand ourselves through fashion. So could you talk a little bit about that to teach somebody like me who really doesn't know? <laughs> <laughs> First, I'm going to look up that article. That is interesting. I feel like for me,
1: definitely sweatpants. I feel like you can, I mean, number one, those are so comfortable, especially Mm -hmm. right now during this pandemic. And you can totally wear them inside or outside the house. Because I feel like with that, like you can always dress it up. Like, of course, not with heels, but like, see me, I'm like kind of like a tutu. Uh sneaker type girl Uh so I'm not really like the heels like I could wear them but obviously well when I'm in my wheelchair not walking in them but Uh you know so it's kind of like I kind of feel like you can always you know spice it up with like a nice cute graffiti shirt and maybe some sneakers and maybe like a a, even a statement necklace like a gold chain you know Uh if that makes sense so Uh that's like how I kind of vision that but I would say like yes fashion changes all the time but right now I'm seeing a lot of floral more than usual and then of course look at because of this pandemic now everybody you see with face masks. Mm, and there's so many face masks I mean people are now like these celebrities are wearing you know masks to match with their dress when going out and all of that and I find it so amazing because it's kind of like when you behind the mask it's kind of like I don't know I look at it like oh yeah like I'm a secret person you don't know me behind this mask I don't know if that makes sense so I kind of like it I'm like hmm interesting but Mm -hmm. I love it because then even with the inventory of t-shirts I had here I'm like you know why not create some masks Mm -hmm. this is going to be the something that we're going to have to use for it seems like quite some time so it's so it's interesting that things you know totally change over time by season and just by you know what's going on in the world fashion to me is all about being unique to and being different and just being you Mm -hmm. you know of course like not looking crazy or anything but just like you know being just fun and being what you feel comfortable in and, and then also just still spicing it up I always love when I see like people like mix mix and matching stuff and mm-hmm. you know creating something like that I'll be like oh wow like how did you do that and I love when people like recycle clothes now which I'm very into like I said I um made some masks of my t-shirts and I plan to do so much more I created some headbands too from some of my scraps of t-shirts so mm-hmm. you know I think that's important too where it's like some people may just throw away or give away a lot of stuff but you never know what fabric or anything may come in handy. So, I, yeah, I think of fashion just being you, your own unique self. And, yeah, just be you, be free. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so, you know, as we wind down, I do want to ask you to share, and we will put this in the show notes too, but how can people find you and your brand? Sure. You can definitely find me on
1: girlschronicallyrock.com. I am also on Instagram, girlschronically underscore rock. And also on Facebook, Keisha Greaves, and also girlschronicallyrock.com has okay. a business page. So yeah, definitely um, check awesome. me out. Send me a message. I'd love to hear from everybody.
0: Awesome. And they can mention that they heard you on the Make Meaning podcast and then it's a win-win. So, yes. you know, um, <laughs> so before we close, I always end my interviews by asking my guests to offer sort of a permission slip to our listeners. And it's usually advice that you would offer um, to people listening to this interview about, you know, going in pursuit of their purpose. So what permission slips would you write for people today? Um, I would say like, if you have
1: an idea, if you have a vision or something you want to work on, my take is what I tell people, I say, go for it. Cause you know, you never know life is short. I mean, we all can see right now in this pandemic, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm just taking it day by day, but I would say go for it because before you know it, your idea, your vision, whatever you want to create will be up and running. So you never know. And I would definitely um, take advantage of the resources that are out there too on Facebook because I feel like that has definitely helped me along the way with being a part of different groups like women helping women Boston business women and podcast groups and so many different things where I felt like has kind of helped me with my business to this day because you know you'll be surprised if so many people you connect and I mean look at me and you connected so like you know it's so interesting and I love it because it's like that support that's out there if you have any questions and you know, especially like people like yourself, allowing me to come on your podcast to share my story. It's like, you know, take advantage of all of that and definitely reach out, post a question on that group page or on Instagram because I feel like with the social media today is definitely, you know, way better than when I was, you know, growing up. So because when I was For in college, sure. I think Facebook just got created. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So social media now has definitely changed, but you know, I love it and. I think it's for the good, especially for us business owners, that we can, you know, share our platform and put it out there. So that would be my advice for anybody.
0: Just do it. Just do it. That's awesome. I love it. Well, (laughs) Keisha Greaves, I'm so grateful to you for sharing your story and your inspiration on the Make Meaning podcast. And I'm just really glad that we've connected. You're such a light, and um, I'll be watching you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank
1: you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galodner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world.